Well, Rob, I'd like to extend an invitation to you in the summer when the when things are nice and sunny. You can come over to my place. You can sit on the on, out, out front with me, and we'll yell at kids to stay out of our yard. <laughs> okay, I'll take you up on that. Recording in progress. Welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Banter, banter. Banter. Uh, hey, <laughs> uh, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. My name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, Mr. Steve Barkley. It's true. I am joining you today. Oh, I see what and you did there. Who? You. Me? I, did I do something? You went to Steve first. How I, dare you? Well, listen, I just, I'm just changing that up. I, just, I know. I'm keeping That's things I interesting. Said. I see I what you did there. <laughs> All right. Well, and uh, also joining me, last but not least. I'm leaving. <laughs> Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hello. <laughs> Man, didn't realize it was so sensitive when we changed things up around I'm here. sensitive. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hi, how are you guys? Uh, how's, how's everybody holding up? The old gas shortage and... Oh, we're good. I hear, I hear we, we have a new have a new term in our lives, an atmospheric river. I hear we're, we've got another one heading towards us. Yeah, it's two. official now. Yeah. yeah. I think two, Thursday and Saturday, I think. Oh, but what are they rated on a scale of one to five? I don't know. Did they actually officiate or... They, yeah, they did. They officially... Gave us a scale yep. now, did they? Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's not yeah. coming into effect until January, though, apparently. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. by then it's going to be something else. It'll be yeah. the the snow grenade. That's right, yes. <laughs> yeah. It'll so. be a snow blanket. Yeah, oh, snow blanket. That's there another good go. one. Yeah. yeah. Although that's not threatening enough. It has to be. You need, you're right, you're right. You need to be clickbaity. So it needs to be, you know, snowpocalypse. Scary. A weighted snow blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's hey. like nature's trying to give you a cuddle until you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, hey, before we go down too many rabbit holes, uh, hey, Ryan. Yes, Rob. Uh, hey, what are we doing today? Today, we are speaking with disability activist, lawyer, and author, Lainey Feingold. I am excited about this. It's about time we talk to somebody uh, that knew what they're talking about when it comes to, to the law. <laughs> it's and been a while. Yeah. Now, now, where is she from? She's from the States, US. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking U.S. law here. Yes. Yeah. But she does do, I, I, I took a look at her blog earlier and, you know, she does, she does talk about uh, different international law and stuff as well. So yes. she's, she's pretty well versed um, in terms of, of the, of the different countries' laws. So yeah. I, it's going to so be a really great conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Rye. Rob. Hey, I heard another one of these horrible rumors about us. Another one? Yeah. What now? Uh, that uh, people can uh, call us and leave us messages. They can. If they want to get in touch with us, leave a comment or have a suggestion or show topic they want to leave us, they can call 1-844-996-4282. Leave us your name, your message, and if you give us your permission, we may play it on an episode. Hang on, Ryan. What's that number again? That number again is 1-844-996-4282. All righty. I've got it written down now. I can, I can work on acronyms. <laughs> I tried to. <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing I could, what was it I could come up with? Uh, I think it's just IATB. <laughs> just trust me. I tried cowbell. I tried seabell. I couldn't get banter. I tried. <laughs> and I tried. But I think I think it was IATB. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. IAT banter. That, that sounds too close to I hate ATB. <laughs> well, keep know. in mind, you know, this this may know. be this may be for a limited time only. We shall see. No, don't say that. Okay. Well, no, phone, ring those bells, save our <laughs> save our toll-free line. 
Ryan's going to cancel it if no one calls it. Meanie. Meanie, meanie. Uh, all right. You know what? Uh, I don't want to keep Laney waiting. I think this is going to be a big conversation. So uh, if it's okay with you guys, let's go ahead and bring her on. Joining us now is Laney Feingold. Hi, Laney. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. We're so pleased you could join us. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. So joining me are Steve Barkley. Hello there, Laney. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I like it, your not picture. What is that exactly? It's not cartoon. It's, it's not a caricature. Caricature. I don't know what you look like, so I don't know how close it is, I, but it I, looks good. I look just like that. Here I can start <laughs> video. You see it. <laughs> I want something like that. I, I want that or a little cartoon icon or something. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was done by a caricature artist at a dealer meeting that I went to one time. They just had the guy sitting there. He could walk up and he'd do your do your thing. Nice. I, I thought that was a pretty good one. Very cool. And also joining us, Lainey, is Rob Minot. Uh, hello. Sorry, I don't have a caricature at all. <laughs> just use your imagination. Think of a grumpy old man. Nay. <laughs> You're calling grumpy. Hi, Rob. Nice to meet you. I'm sure you're not grumpy. I'm sure you're not grumpy. I am old. I'm sure I'm... It turns out in accessibility, apparently I'm older than everybody except Larry Goldberg, who's one year older than me. So I'm just owning the old thing. Excellent. You're, you're the elder statesman of accessibility. I'm an elder, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, well, why don't we start out by giving us a little bit of a, a background about you and, and just how you you became involved in um, being a disability rights uh, advocate and, and lawyer and, and how your sort of introduction into that space. My name is Lainey Feingold, and I am a disability rights lawyer. I practice... Um, out of my home office where I've worked for 25 years, and that's in Berkeley, California. And I basically fell into disability rights. I like, especially when I talk to younger people, I like to start by saying that I was fired from a job that I thought I was gonna be in for a lifetime. And that was in 1992, and I was like, uh-oh, now what? I had been a lawyer for 10 years at the time. And there was an opening at a disability rights nonprofit in Berkeley. It's called Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund, DREDF. It's still a strong nonprofit here in the States. And they had a four-month opening. So I was like, okay. Shockingly to myself now, I didn't know anything about disability rights, even though Berkeley, California is considered one of the birthplaces, if not the birthplace of disability rights in the United States. And I went there and one of the first things I worked on was, um, well, one of the first things I worked on was a case about bus drivers not announcing stops. So uh. This was in 92. And the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed in 1990. So there was a lot of promise and potential about what a civil rights law could do for disability rights. And I got to know a guy named Harry Cordellos. Have, have any of you ever heard of him? I have not. He was a character and um, he was blind and we used to ride around the streets of San Francisco on the buses to see if the drivers were announcing stops. This was before they had the automated stop announcements. And Harry said something to me. He was really the first blind person I ever knew. And he said to me something that I often think and I often quote, which was, Laney, stop thinking that blind people are sighted people with paper bags over their heads. It's not that. <laughs> and that was, you know, that was my first introduction to one person experience with blindness. And then probably a year after I went to DREDF, supposed to be a four month stint, but the person who was on leave actually did not come back. So I ended up staying there for four years. And during that time, um, several blind people came and said, there's no ATMs 
automated teller machines that we can use. Do you think the Americans with Disabilities Act can help with that? I was working with some other lawyers and we thought we had a good lawsuit. I had worked in traditional civil rights cases. I had represented labor unions. And so filing a lawsuit was what you did when something was wrong. But here we said, you know, there aren't any ATMs that work for blind people at that time anywhere in the world. There were none. And the Americans with Disabilities Act was a new law. We're like, what if we got a bad judge who didn't think blind people should be able to independently use ATMs? It'd be too dangerous, whatever. So we decided to write to three banks, Bank of America, Wells Fargo City Bank, the biggest banks in the U.S. at the time. And we said, you know, we have a problem here, but instead of suing you, do you want to sit down and negotiate? And they did. And that was a kind of long way, I guess, of telling you how I started in this space, being a collaborative lawyer, working with the blind community and big companies in collaboration instead of lawsuits. Well, I, I have a question um, because, I mean, typically our, our view, you know, from a Canadian perspective, looking at the U.S. legal system is uh, our uh, impression, at least, is that you guys get paid with a successful lawsuit. So how do you get paid when you go to a bank and you say, hey, you know, I want to I want to sit down and come up with a solution? That is an excellent question. And, you know, when I speak to American lawyers, um, they're very skeptical. Like, how can you get paid? And I can't collaborate because we'd never get paid. Because you're right, in the United States, in civil rights cases, we have what's called fee shifting. Usually, in lawsuits, everybody has to pay their own lawyer. But in civil rights cases, both about race, gender, disability, the US Congress recognized that people with discrimination claims can't afford to have a lawyer. And so if you win a discrimination case, the fee responsibility shifts so instead of having to pay your own lawyer, the company or government or whoever you sued and won has to pay your lawyer. But in my experience over the last 25 now years practicing collaborative law, which we call structured negotiation, and that's the title of my book, um, everything can be talked about. So when we sit down with a new company, we talk about ground rules. And in my book, I have a sample ground rules document. And we say, you know, we want to negotiate, but we can't, we can't put our clients at risk. They can't give anything up because they negotiated instead of suing, although they can give up the stress and anxiety about being a lawsuit. Um, so in the ground rules document, we usually have a section that says that we'll receive our attorney's fees as if. At the end of the day, you know, if we work out an agreement to fix whatever problem we're trying to fix, that we, attorney's fees for us will be part of it. The Americans with Disabilities Act doesn't have a requirement that the disabled person can receive money for the civil rights violations, but a lot of states do have laws that recognize that money is a way to compensate for civil rights violations. So our ground rules will say that at the end of the day, we're going to be negotiating also about money for our clients as well as attorney's fees for ourselves. And you know what? It works. And the skeptical lawyers who are like, well, what if this happens? And I don't think, you know, lawyers are the masters and mistresses of what if. <laughs> but that's been my business model, you know, until a couple of years ago when I started doing some work for a nonprofit. That's the only way I got paid for the last 25 years. So that's my experience. It works. Have you had cases where you've gone and you've you've approached with this collaborative uh, idea and then companies have just brushed you off and, and you've had to sue them? You know, there's only been one case where that happened. And that was a case against an airline because airlines are not covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act. They have their own law and it's a weak law. You may have read that there's huge problems in the U.S., probably Canada, too, with yeah, airlines. Yeah, airlines and, you know, wrecking wheelchairs. And a woman died recently because her wheelchair was wrecked and they gave her an inferior one. And, oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, it's really, it's, it's a really terrible thing. Well, at the time we sued the airline, at the time we tried to negotiate with the airline, it was about website accessibility as well as kiosk accessibility at the, you know, check-in, airport check-ins. And, you know, they got this young lawyer who's like some big firm. He's like, he wrote a letter. We will never engage in structured negotiation. That was just very haughty. And um, so we had to sue in that case. At the time, the U.S. government was working on regulations that would require websites to be accessible, that would require kiosks and airports to be accessible. So eventually we lost that case. And interestingly, before we lost the case, they hired another lawyer. And as soon as we filed the lawsuit, that lawyer said, you know, we should sit down and try to negotiate this. So we actually had some very good conversations after the lawsuit was filed with this airline. But unfortunately, another group of blind people had sued a different airline about the same thing. And when they lost their case, the airline we were talking to was like, well, we can't negotiate with you. We're going to win in court because this other case. The yeah, there's precedent there. Yeah. So that's what happened there. But by and large, you know, I think the success of structured negotiation, I tell a lot of stories in the book. It's really because we're bringing real people in front of the com companies, people who are their customers or their clients or the general public. And in my experience, when you put these real issues and say, okay, here's a bank customer who can't get $20 of their own money out of a machine because you have a design with accessibility or here's a blind pharmacy customer who can't read the label on their prescription, has to put a rubber band around one prescription and two rubber bands around another. If you approach people without aggression and without screaming and yelling at them, which is basically what a lawsuit is, in my experience, people have been willing to sit down and, and solve problems. Interesting. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, even just from a psych, you know, a psychology point of view. Um, you know, people are going to respond, you know, better when they don't feel like they're they're being screamed at. And not only that, I think that you know, if you can talk to to companies and corporations in their own language and present sort of a business case almost for um, accessibility, I, I think that that they they do sort of pay attention to that. You know, my dad is a financial planner. I'm very lucky that even though I am an elder, I still have my dad who's 88. Um, and he's been one of my biggest supporters my whole life and in this career. And he's always like, basically you're a consultant to these companies. I'm like, well, dad, I'm not really consultant because I'm not, a, but that's basically what you're doing. He's always saying. And in some ways that's true because one of the best things about structured negotiation when it when it works at its finest. Now, all the cases that I've worked on, the settlements and the press releases are on my website and people can look at them. And I'm not saying they're all, it's all been a lovey-dovey experience, but the best ones are ones where the companies or the government, whatever, can really get to know the blind people involved. And when you're in a lawsuit, there are certain roles and the roles are very rigid. You're a plaintiff, you're a plaintiff. Defendant, defendant. Everybody has to hire an outside expert or else the expertise doesn't count. In this process, blind people can be experts in their own case with their own experience. And that has been some of the most powerful successes I think of this process are when everybody's sitting around a table and the experience of blind people are like aha moments for the companies making the decisions, which is why when I talk to companies outside of the structured negotiation process, first thing I say is, you know, you got to sit down with people with disabilities. And if you don't have them on your staff, which you should, you got to have a relationship with a nonprofit. And you got to hire some blind people or 
people with other disabilities, because that is, I think, the ticket to the kind of inclusive society we're all looking for here. So I'm very ignorant when it comes to the ADA. Um, does it cover web accessibility? And if so, is that the law guidelines, whatever you want to call it, that is held up to these companies such as CVS, Target, Domino's, and whatever to say you're in violation of this. So that's, that's me. Let's talk about this. Like who determines what's accessible and what's not? Um, that's a really good question. One of the issues that has been the subject of some of the lawsuits is, well, we don't have any regulation that specifically says if you have a website, it has to be designed and developed to the WCAG standards. But since 1990, we have a law that says you can't discriminate against disabled people. You can't have a program or a service that's not available to disabled people if you're a public company like the ones you mentioned. And that part of not discriminating is effectively communicating. The only way to effectively communicate what's on a website is to make the website accessible. In the Domino's Pizza case you mentioned, one of the arguments was Domino's was saying, well, people can call on the phone and find out what kind of pizza we have, what our hours are. And so that's our way of effectively communicating. The ADA gives them the right to make that argument, mm. but so far it's never been accepted by a court. Now in structured negotiation, like the stories in my book show, the way it starts, I, I mentioned yelling and screaming. I often say like a lawsuit is a punch in the punch in the face. We try to start with an invitation to negotiate. Right. So when we write a letter, we there's sort of two key components here. One is we do write what the law is. And it's not just the ADA. We have laws, like I mentioned before, in many states. Like California and New York have the strongest state laws on discrimination, which is why you'll see a lot of lawsuits in California and New York. But in our process, we sort of put the law at the end and we start by saying in structured negotiation, we don't have to fight about the law, but we want you to know that we think the law supports our position, you know, something like that. Sure. And, and I, you know, I've got, I've gotten more confident in the process, obviously, this is all I've done for 25 years. So, and I'm sort of known in connection with this process now, and I've written a book and I just put out the second edition last month. So I can be very kind of straightforward and say, you know, we don't think we should get bogged down in the law. So here's a little bit of why we think your conduct is a legal violation. And if you need more, let us know. And you know what? No one ever asks for more. No one ever wants more law, more case citations or more. And then when we get back a letter, another aspect of the process is the mental state that you have to have to be successful at collaborating. And that mental state gets called into play very early because when you get the letter back, typically they've hired a lawyer and they go blah, blah, blah about the legal reasons they don't have to do it. <laughs> you know? And, you know, I do structured negotiation training for people, not just for lawyers and advocates, but these are kind of skills you can use whenever you're trying to advance a cause or whatever. And I always say, it's a quote from a woman in the U.S., and it, the quote is, I've stood on a mountain of no's for a single yes. And that's kind of what it is. You kind of plow through all the no's in the letter you get back. And typically, after all that legal stuff that they throw at you, they'll say, but we're willing to sit down and talk. Or we're willing to sit down and hear what you have to say. Or we're willing to see the law doesn't require it, but we're willing to see if we can improve the customer experience, the business case like you guys just mentioned. So, yeah, so the law and without the law, some of the skills of structured negotiation I think can and are effective in terms of 
If you're having a meeting with someone and you're trying to get something from the person, don't start by yelling at them. You know, I mean, basic things like that. But without the law, this process would not have been the success that it has been, obviously. You know, you guys are in Canada. I want to make sure I tell you one thing um, that I have in the book, which I'll read. Uh, let me just read you one sentence. It says, advocacy north of the border gave us an early lesson in the importance of paying attention to activists working on issues underlying our negotiation. And then there's a couple paragraphs about how the very first talking ATM came out of Canada. Right. In a case filed by a couple last name Stark with the Canadian Human Rights Commission. You probably know this. Yep. And you know, when that happened, that was a big boon to our negotiation. Like we were making steady progress, but here, you know, Canada got the first two at Royal Bank of Canada. And we did all this research and we discovered that uh, T-Base, who built them, and we had the, you know, we discovered the guy, Len Fowler, and he came down, he met with us. And it was, so it was really an international effort to get our first negotiation to the finish line. Nice. That's yeah, nice to hear that we had the Canadian connection there. Thank, thanks to the Stark family for, for bringing that to the uh, Human Rights Commission. So people often say that, um, you know, in, in Canada, we don't have a Canadians with Disabilities Act, or we haven't until just, just recently, we, we do now. Um, but um, there's, not, there, there's no teeth to it. it it's, it's got no, no real enforcement mechanisms. But people often say that our human rights legislation can be more powerful than, than the ADA. Um, and uh, I, I'm just wondering if you have any sense of that, if you've ever uh, had a chance to compare how our different systems work. Um, I haven't like done a, no, I haven't done that. But, um, you know, I, I often, a couple of times a year, I do the digital accessibility legal update. Mm -hmm. for, and I'm actually doing one on December 9, three play media has a free webinar series and I'm gonna do the update. And it's mostly US, but I do try to get at least a little bit of a sense of what's happening around the world. And I also do uh, work with a nonprofit here called Disability In, which is actually global and include, it's like a business to business disability inclusion nonprofit. There are Canadian companies in it. And I often speak to those partners about these issues. Um, and for that, I rely on my friend, David Lepofsky, who oh, yeah. has filled me in on the strength of, even though you're waiting for the national law to get some teeth and the regulations, and it seems like it's going to be a long process, you do have the basic non-discrimination provisions of the human rights code. And I have a little national global file, but I didn't really prepare for a chat, so I, I don't have it at my fingertips. <laughs> I don't have it at my fingertips, but I do think that the process of collaboration is a good way to test the strength of some of these laws, even the CRPD, you know, the Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities, because it's there, and that a lot of these laws aren't really being used to the full extent they could be used. And we don't want to be fighting out the meaning of any particular clause, if we can help it, because we don't want to lose, you know? But to have that kind of law as a foundation, to get in the door, to get to the right people, to get the legal department to pay attention, I think there's potential there. So that's a, that's a perfect segue into something else that I wanted to talk about, actually, because I was reading over um, one of your legal updates on your, on your website, and um, the one that stood out to me because it's it's kind of a, a favorite topic that we like to talk about around here is the accessible overlay uh, edition of your legal update, and I, I just wanted to sort of talk a little bit about about accessible overlays and sort of what that space looks like these days because it is I know it's something that's that's fairly new, um, and there's there's been quite a bit of controversy. Um, around them, so I just kind of wanted to to get your take and and to get uh, to talk a little bit about that uh, that legal update because there's some there's some kind of alarming things uh, that you talk about in there, including over in France where there's a, an overlay company that's actually went ahead and and sued 
uh, a disability advocate for speaking out against their their overlay. So um, yeah, what what's what's sort of the temperature of overlays over here? Well, I like your word alarming because it is alarming to me. And you know, I'm an optimist. I actually write about optimism in the book. Optimism in the book and. You know, I recently said to someone, just to say, just to get off topic for a second, um, have you ever had Josh Mealy on your show? Do you know Josh? No, I've known Josh for years and years since way back when he was at uh, Berkeley Systems. Uh huh. Well, I hope you all know that he got a MacArthur Genius Award this year. No, which, I didn't know that. Yes, which, in case anyone's listening doesn't know, that is an award that comes with a $500,000 prize and is really in the US here, like a top recognition, like you're at the top of your field, like you are doing creative and Josh is blind and he's an inventor. And um, so there's Josh getting the MacArthur. Then there's a project called Astro Access. Have you been following that where the idea is how can disability, how can disabled people influence a space program? And they chose 12 ambassadors, 12 disabled people to go on a zero gravity flight that happened last month. And one of those people is Sina Barham. And Sina's blind, he's a web accessibility expert. And I've been saying to people, I want to talk about Josh. I want to talk about Cena. I don't want to talk about overlays, which are like, <laughs> you know, it, to me, it's one package overlays and drive by lawsuits by unethical lawyers in the U S it's all the package. I don't think one would exist without the other. And in addition, so there's Josh getting the MacArthur, there's Cena getting to fly in it's a great video. You see him with his braille display kind of hovering in the air. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> it's really good. It's astroaccess.org. And it was 12 people with a variety of disabilities. And, you know, the idea is if you go up in space, who knows what's going to happen? So having disabled people and having their creativity and workaround ability, I'm not doing it justice, but... And then there was also recently the Yahoo put out a fantasy football, blind fantasy football league. They did like a five minute video. They brought together all these blind guys who can have a fantasy football league using Yahoo sports. I'm like, that's inclusion, that's accessibility. And then on the other hand, we have these overlays companies that they have so much money. That's the part that is hard to be optimistic about for me because they have so much money and the money is going into marketing. And I know because I have personally talked companies out of using them that many people using them are kind of unsuspecting consumers and yep. people want a fast solution. And, you know, people always say to me, do they work? And I said, you know what, if they worked, <laughs> Microsoft would be selling them because Microsoft is committed to accessibility. They're a global leader. They're a leader in AI. If there was a one line of code AI solution, I would be happy to use it. I would be advocating for it. Microsoft would be selling it or giving it away for free. Yep. So I, it just, and, you know, they gave a lot of money away to disabled people and nonprofits, and it's really a mess. I'm alarmed by it. I mean, one thing we're really trying to put out, that article that I wrote, my website is lflegal.com, and there's a high-level legal update tab. You can read that article. Um, and Carl Gross has done an amazing job with the overlay fact sheet overlayfactsheet.com and he's gathered all the articles that everybody's written including the media reports right so yeah i think it's a real problem i'm proud to say that in our last two settlement agreements we have put in a clause that the companies won't use the overlays and that's not because we're worried that our negotiating partners will use them but more as a like a model yeah that's it's just not a solution. Yeah. And it's, and part of it, you know, we have this problem in the U S with unethical lawyers 
who have found a way to, you know, file lawsuits based on a scan of a website. I got a call from a, I don't, I don't defend companies who have been sued in those lawsuits just because I can't do everything. And there's sort of ethical conflicts. And even if I, even if I'm sympathetic to the companies, because they get these lawsuits, even if they have a good program, they can get a lawsuit. And many of the companies get more than one lawsuit. And I, I got a call from a company, a nice company. And he's like, I really care about web accessibility. I've done all this stuff. I still get a lawsuit. What can I do? And he said the, com- the lawyer who sued him filed, I think, 26 cases for the same person in a week and a half. A couple of years ago, I wrote a piece it's illustrated by an image of red flags. And there's a whole bunch of red flags to look at because I believe in lawsuits. And I have to personally be very careful that people don't hold me up and say, well, maybe if I hold them, think you need a lawsuit because she has structured negotiation. It's not that. I'm all for ethical lawsuits and they help structure negotiation because companies see that plaintiffs win lawsuits. So why would they want to fight? Why wouldn't they want to negotiate? But these lawyers who think, you know, that they can take the shotgun approach. (laughs) I I can't file 26 lawsuits in 10 years. I'm not joking. I mean, (laughs) you guys all know what it takes to really get this right. It's a lot of detail. And I do a talk about the accessibility cookie, meaning just like there's a lot of ingredients that have to come together in a cookie, there's a lot of roles that have to come together for a real accessibility program. It's not just coding, you know? So Lainey, I don't know if you can answer this question or not. Are there lawsuits against lawyers and law firms with websites or services that aren't accessible? Because we don't hear about those. We hear about the CVS. We hear about the Domino's. We hear about the retail mom and pa stores. But are there law firms being sued? Well, you know, there's about 3,000 lawsuits a year. Sure. I think last year there were over 3,000. So we're only hearing about top tier kind of right. organizations. And many of these unethical lawyers target deep pockets because they're hoping that the company will just throw 5, 10, 15, 25, whatever, yeah. throw some money at it and have it go away. Um I do know my family, my aforementioned father, um, they have an insurance agency, financial planning agency, small thing in Massachusetts where I'm from. And my brother-in-law who works with my father called me this year and said, we got a letter saying our website wasn't accessible. And apparently they send it to every single insurance agent in Worcester. I mean, in Massachusetts, my family's in Worcester. So we're not, I wouldn't have known about that. Yeah. And we do know there are people that are filing suits all the time and people looking for companies to sue. But I would bet that they're not suing law firms for one reason. I'm sure their own loss. I mean, some of these lawyers don't even have loss, law, uh, sorry, don't even have websites, sure. websites because right. they don't want the company to come back and say, well, look, your website doesn't do this. Right. So it wouldn't surprise me if law firms have not been targeted. Then again, it wouldn't surprise me if they have. I'm just not aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and I know that, you know, certainly, you know, the shotgun method to litigation is, is not effective and, and not really good for anybody, but in terms of accessibility overlays and, you know, specifically some of these lawsuits, it seems to me are, are important. So say the, the IBOBS lawsuit, for example, um, you know, and, and that, that suit being successful is, is that sort of an important milestone? Because if companies can, can look at accessibility in particular and say, oh, obviously having accessibility isn't going to protect us from a lawsuit, that sort of undercuts the, that marketing effort that accessibility is so good at. And that's kind of the beginning of the end for them. Is, is, is that how you sort of see it? 
Well, there were over 200 lawsuits last year against companies using an overlay. So we've known for a long time that using an overlay doesn't protect you from being sued. Mm. What's good about this iBob's case, and for people in your audience, listeners who don't know, that was a case where iBob's used an overlay and they got the lawsuit. What made that case special was that the company hired, um, no, not the company, the plaintiff hired Carl Groves, who's an ethical consultant and an expert in overlays to really analyze what exactly, why the website was still inaccessible, even though it had the overlay. So yeah, I think that's an important case because it got more publicity. And I'm not here to say none of the cases are good. I mean, it took me a long time to be able to speak publicly about what's wrong with the lawsuits because, you know, in some way they brought attention to the issue. And company, I always say like, I don't believe fear is a good motivator, but some people who get one of these lawsuits or get a demand letter, they do hire a good consultant and they do make the website more accessible. So that part is good. It's a very nuanced conversation. I, I've kind of come down that on balance because 3000 lawsuit is ginning up an industry like accessibility and user way to give people a comfort level that they won't get sued, even though it's not true. I've sort of come down feeling like we have to be able to find the words to say why accessibility isn't just about lawsuits and checking the boxes because any of us who've been in it a long time know that that, you know, people get a lawsuit, they'll settle it, they'll throw $10,000 at it, they won't have an accessible site and they won't think well of disabled people. You know, in structured negotiation, language is a really important skill. And in the book, I talk about why we don't use the word plaintiff for the blind person who's bringing the claim. We say claimant. One reason is because when I looked up the root of the word plaintiff, it means wretched complainer. Swear <laughs> to God. That's and awesome. I had no idea. I'm going to use that constantly. <laughs> I had no I had no idea either. But I did have an idea as we built you know, structure negotiation was not born out of whole cloth or whatever that expression is. It developed with the lawyers who used it, with the blind community, with the organizations, you know, we work very closely with American Council of the Blind and state affiliates. And I knew we didn't want to call people plaintiffs because that's in the United States, people who are plaintiffs are looked at as wretched complainers. And this whole development since 2017 of all these lawsuits has really fed into that. And the judges, the arbitrators, they just think, oh, no, here's another blind person trying to get money out of a company. Yeah. On balance, I think that hurts us in the long run. So, yeah, I think you ask, you ask a good question back to the IBOBs. That case matters, and it's great. People have written about it. I think it's gotten a little mainstream press. Yeah. And it contributes to getting the word out. But what we know to be so true, you know, 600 people have signed the overlay statement. And there's been national news stories about problems with accessibility and a lot of blind people have spoken out very forcefully, not just that it doesn't work as promised, but it actually causes harms. Yeah. It creates barriers. We all know that, but it's very hard to break through the noise when you're up against a venture funded gigantic, you know, marketing machine. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that, even extending beyond that, the, even the more harm that they do is that they also tend to to almost demonize the idea of 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 accessibility in their marketing because their whole marketing is like, hey, look, you know, you don't want to get sued by these by you know by these people that are that just want to come in and sue you over accessibility issues. So sign up for our subscription based 
service and we can protect you against like that's the whole marketing push and not only that it they they also make the idea of accessibility which is already a fuzzy concept to a lot of people they make it even fuzzier by spreading sort of disinformation about what it actually means to make your website or your product accessible so they're doing a lot of harm to to the whole movement and that's really the problem with it it's not even so much that their product doesn't work because like honestly the the market's full of products that that don't work you know late yeah. night late night infomercials like you know none of that stuff you know necessarily works as advertised that's just that's part of marketing it's it's really more the damage that they're actually doing they're pushing back against the whole accessibility movement. I completely agree with you. And they also, I like how you said demonizing accessibility. Some people use the word weaponizing accessibility or disability because they're taking people out of it entirely. It's like, oh my God, here's this problem you have. And with no effort, that's the thing that just kills me. Their ad, the accessibility ad, like with no effort. Yeah. Don't worry, you set it and forget it. And what kills me as, as a blind user is, is there no one at Accessibility, including their own staff or ACB, NFB, AFB, so on and so forth, that have actually been at a table with them, with their plugin on a website, trying to use a screen reader that get, now gets disabled because Accessibility has taken over. Like, do they not see it doesn't work? Like, what's the issue? Why is there such a roadblock? That is a million dollar question, Ryan. I mean, I think they're just in it. I don't know. They're in it to make, they have a business and they trying to make money. I think there might be people who, I mean, they do have a blind guy, I forgot his name, who's very active. And like I said, they have, we were just talking about it before the show. Uh, the, the 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 blind guy they've got has been on our show. Yeah. Michael Henson. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know him. I don't. I. I it, but, you know, it's it's yeah. funny, and that's why I really love your approach too, because in in the sense of involving the community, because I feel like any company out there, like when you actually bring in the community, you know, you're basically saying to them it's it's not it's not so um adversarial because you're saying look this is a customer this is somebody who wants to use your service but can't like and i think that that resonates with with companies much better than mm-hmm. litigation yes i agree with you thank thank you for saying that and um i mean some of the core there's a chapter towards the end of the book that I was kind of afraid in the first edition to put it in the front because I was afraid that if I talked too much about trust and kindness and empathy, like it's the book, not just for lawyers, but you know, there are, I didn't want lawyers to read it. I'm like, so it's still in the back of the book, but honestly, when I do the trainings, I really do that first because even in the biggest companies, a human being is going to read the letter and that human being is going to have feelings. And another thing about accessibility is one advantage we all have. Accessibility is part of so many values companies already have, you know, like trust or privacy. If there's no accessibility, security and privacy are broken. When a disabled person, when a Customer service says, oh, can't someone help you with that? They may as well say, well, can't someone breach the security we've set up so you can't do it independently? All these things can be talked about in a conversation without attacking, without, but not in a lawsuit. Because, I mean, eventually lawsuits will get to the negotiating table, but even then there's a lot of bad blood between One last thing on the um, overlays we haven't talked about is the way in which many of the companies demonize us. And by us, I mean advocates like us. And they say, well, you shouldn't listen to them because they've just made money off of this for many years doing it the old fashioned way. Yeah, This is the modern way. And so don't try all these people, including myself. I mean, one guy put on LinkedIn, like, 
you've made money off this for 25 years and you're afraid to step into the modern era of AI solutions. Like whatever, I don't engage with people <laughs> like that. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, they say these to companies who don't know us and to government agencies and nonprofits. It's not just companies. It's nonprofits, it's mom and pop restaurants. It's, yes, we have, what was the word used? Alarming, horrifying, all those things. Well, before we let you go, I wanna talk about one other thing that's a little bit more positive. Um, dolphins. <laughs> yeah, dolphins. Dolphins, dolphins are great. Dolphins, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, I wanted, I, I noticed that you did, you did a, a talk um, that was specifically aimed at developers. And I thought that that was, that was really, that was really on point because I've always said that really this idea of accessibility is going to be at its most successful when it's baked in at the beginning in any sort of process. And those, I feel like those are the people that we need to actually focus on because we can scream all we want at the companies and the corporations but really at the end of the day they're just they're not actually doing the work they're not building the foundations of whatever their service is their website or whatever they're they're contracting that out to developers and so i feel like up and coming the next generation of of web coders and ui developers um, if they understand accessibility and they understand how important it is, then they're the ones that are going to be like in charge of building a, a, a platform for a, for a corporation. And if, if they understand that, then they're just going to bake that in at the beginning. Yes. A um, couple things that brings to mind. First of all, are you familiar with this project called Teach Access? No, I, I'm oh, not. That's no. a new one on me. Yeah, it's Teach access.org and I really recommend it it's it's a nonprofit. it started kind of as a volunteer effort of accessibility people and companies thinking we don't have the talent we need people are coming out of computer science programs and boot camps and colleges without knowing accessibility and they do a lot of great work. They, they are in the colleges, they give grants to professors just to address that thing you're talking about. Another very good thing they have on their website is they have uh, a section with job descriptions for accessibility and they have the job description, they have questions for interviews to help companies hire people with the skills that we're talking about. So that's one thing. And another thing is, yeah, I like doing the talks for developers, designers, you know, shift left as far as possible. And even the legal updates are not designed for lawyers. They're designed for me to say accessibility is a civil right. And whatever your ingredient in the cookie, you know, whatever your role, whether you're procurement or design development, if you do your work, with accessibility in mind, you're enforcing the civil rights of disabled people. And I've been saying that for a long time, but because I'm active on Twitter, I can see still today when I say that, some people don't know it. And I think people wanna know that the work they're doing has potentially a bigger impact. I also like to talk about the global community you know, you're not just a coder sitting in front of your computer for X hours a day. You're part of a global community, which is why I always, you know, push the A11Y hashtag on Twitter. You know, I think that social media stuff matters. And the more people we can plug into that community, the stronger we all are together. See, oh, that's a, you know what? That's a perfect soundbite to end on. Yeah, that's that's yeah. <laughs> don't don't say another word. <laughs> that's perfect. Thank you so much. You've given us a much better picture of of how things are working down there, um, because you know mostly mostly all we get are the headlines, right? And and uh, um, and the screaming. Lots of screaming. <laughs> yeah, when when I do those updates, I. 
I put on LinkedIn, I said, I, if you've never seen one of my updates, I promise you, you'll get more than just numbers and legal jargon because, you know, it's not just the overlay companies. Honestly, a lot of the reputable consultants, everybody's talking about the number of lawsuits and using lawsuits as the motivator to get the work done. And, you know, it has its place, but you know, we just have to be careful because I think it's kind of a danger. It's like I said, I want to talk about Josh and Cena. So it's a, it's a great time for accessibility. So it's, a, it's like a good time. I feel like a tide is really accessibility is having a moment and, you know, Google does their ad focusing on their captions and Microsoft does their national TV ad focus on their accessible gaming console and all yeah. the jobs. And that's all good. And maybe this, overlay and drive-by lawyer thing is just kind of a price that we've reached a national stage. And so. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I think that, you know, I don't think we've ever, this has ever been as much of a conversation as it is now. Like I think that inclusion and the idea of accessibility is certainly more of a, more of a hot topic these days. And I think that that's, that's, what's important. Well, it is. Look at, was it earlier this year, the Academy Awards for the first time ever had a wheelchair ramp. So yeah. James Lebrecht and, and the gang could get up on stage, right? Um, inclusion is front and center and people are starting to take notice. Representation in media yeah. is starting to happen. Yeah. And that, that along with the fact that the technology is just getting better and better. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Lainey, uh, it is it is a pretty good time. I mean, we, you can paint a, a sort of a, a dour picture on it if you if you look for the negative, but there's certainly a lot of positives in in what's happening right now for sure. Well, on that positive note, I really thank you guys. This is a fun conversation, and thanks for inviting me. And let me know when it's up, and I'll share it out on my channels, as they say. I a hundred percent and for sure. And just before we let you go too, I want you to give, make sure that you have an, another chance to, to give a plug. Uh, where can people find you if, uh, if, there's, if they're interested in learning more about you and, and your legal updates? Yeah, thank you. So I have a website. It is lflegal.com. And I have a book that's called Structured Negotiation, A Winning Alternative to Lawsuits. It's available in print and accessible digital format. Here's another Canadian angle that <laughs> the woman who made it possible for me to self-publish the second edition, to be honest with you, is named Laura Brady, who's a Canadian accessible book expert. And if you're interested in accessible books, she's your woman. Because not only did she make the digital book accessible, not only does a paperback so much easier to read, I don't even know how she did it. She said she aired it out and it just really looks good. Um, and we made sure it's available on Amazon and other online booksellers. It's in Bookshare for people with print disabilities. So that's, that's me, I'm on Twitter at LF Legal. And I'll just end with one little story about the aforementioned Josh Mealy when I was going to, when I got my website in 2008, I was going to be laneyfeingold.com. And Josh said, Josh has been a friend of mine for a long time. He lives in Berkeley too. Josh said, no one will know how to spell Laney. No one will know how to spell Feingold. And your email address will not fit in one line of Braille on your business card. Uh, yeah, I heard that earlier today and I, I snickered. It was pretty funny. I know. I say that all the time to start out by saying, you got to listen to disabled people. Like, do this work wherever you are. And now I kind of have this brand, LF Legal, which is where you can find me on Twitter too. Lainey, if you, uh, if you happen to run into Josh, please tell him I said hello. Um, I, I used to, I used to deal with him back when I was with a company called Aroga Technologies. He'll, he'll probably remember Aroga, but um uh, yeah, great, great guy. Glad to hear he's having the success that he is. I know it's really was very, it's, it's great. It's really, the MacArthur thing is very exciting for all of us. I think we all just felt like, ah, yeah. All right. Thank you again, Ryan. Thanks for being persistent and getting me on and confirming. Oh, thanks for accommodating us. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Great yeah. to talk to you. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Lainey. Best yeah. luck, Lainey. Bye.
Yeah, man, I think we got like about five show ideas out of yep. that conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't edit Jotting it. notes down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's excellent. Oh, that was so interesting. I love it. I, we could talk for another two hours. Oh, easy. We didn't even talk um, about global stuff like the European laws and I know all that stuff. Well, and like like I mentioned too, like you read the her legal update on on uh, lflegal.com about accessibility overlays. Yeah, in France there's there's a, an overlay company that's like suing all the advocates that are speaking out against um, the company. So I was like, man, I hope that that doesn't have any legs over here because man, I don't have any. If accessibility decides to sue us, well, it's interesting. I'm not going to get any money. Laney made a comment about how much money accessibility. And, and well, I guess their investors have thrown at disability sure. organizations. I, I, that just kind of floored me for a minute. Like, wait, what? They threw money at the disability groups, and we have the other half of disability groups complaining and advocating against accessibility. Like, oh my god! Like, I didn't even thought of that. Yeah, man. Yeah, there was so much more that I, I feel like I, I have. I had notes. I got like th- three points. That I wanted to talk about out of like 10. So we'll have to maybe we'll back on. on. Maybe we'll get Kidder back on. But it's so interesting. Still, it frustrates me when we talk about the the Accessible Canada Act and, and enforcement. Because I really feel like that's where that's one of the mo- most important things. Like you just you have to have teeth behind some of this stuff, or else you don't have a, a place to start. I love the idea of structured negotiation. Um, but you got, I feel like you got to have like a foundation there. You got to have some sort of leverage to get them to the table to have the conversation. And without any sort of enforcement, I just don't know how you do that uh, unless, you know, you're lucky enough to be interacting with a company that actually is interested in doing the right thing. Well, um, I think we need to get David Lepofsky or, or somebody who's on that yeah. board uh, of the Accessible Canada Act back on the show to actually give us an update because I don't hear anybody talking about it on Twitter, social yeah. media, e- email news groups. I'm on newsletters. Well, you know? that's, you know, and that's part of the problem with social media, right? It's all the outrage of the week. You know, it just depends on who they're mad at this week and they just, the Twitter mob and the, you know, they just move from target to target. So, you know, they're not necessarily talking about the stuff that actually matters a lot of times. Well, that's just it. You know, we need to find somebody who can talk about it. You know, if the Accessible Canada Act is, is a thing, yeah. where is it at? You know, last we heard, yeah. they, were, they still hadn't hired two positions. They were still working out the, the bylaws or whatever. Maybe in the new year, we'll try and get some. Yeah, that'd be great. Here. Yeah, we should we should definitely have David back on because uh, he's another guy that's fascinating to talk to. And, and he has like that inside, yep. that inside view of what's going on. Um, because I think it is important, you know, what, you know, it's, it's, frankly, it's a little embarrassing when you talk to, to people like Laney and to be like, yeah, Canada, like we didn't, we even have an act until like 20, yeah, 2019, like we were, we're like 40 years behind the ADA. However, we do have very toothy human rights legislation. So You know, like I said earlier, you know, people say that our human rights legislation actually has more teeth to it than the ADAs. I don't know if that's true or not. You'd have to ask a lawyer, I guess. But, um, um, you know, there are avenues in Canada to do these things. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that's kind of, I imagine that's what's kind of saved our butts uh, in a lot of ways is that is those human rights legislation. So there you go. There you go. There you go. Wow, this show's gone long. We need to we need to get out of here, guys. All right, let's go. Um, hey Ryan. What? <laughs> where <laughs> where can people find us? They can find us online at atbanter.com. Hey, they can also drop us an email if they so desire at Calbell at atbanter.com. But even better than that, because who the heck wants to just send an email when you can pick up the phone and dial 1-844-996-4282. That number again is 1-844-996-4282. Or if it's easier to remember, that is UG9964-BUB. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> as far as I got. Right. Okay, no, that's great. Actually, Good luck with we that. Can, we can, okay, Ryan, now your job is to write a jingle. Ug nine six six Ug Bob or something. Ug nine nine six four Bub. Ug nine nine six four Bub. I like I A T B better. No, no, I like the Ug. Ug is great. Great on a T-shirt. I love it. Oh, now we're getting t-shirts, are we? We're getting, yeah, we're getting <laughs> Man. Hmm. I don't know why we're so desperate to, I don't know. This could be opening up a can of worms. Are we sure we want, like, to talk to our audience? Like, are we sure we want them to leave voicemails? They can if they want to. I Okay, listen, I'm just saying, like, you're the one that has to answer this thing. Nah, that goes to voicemail, and it sends me an email. I don't have to talk to anybody. We get the emails, <laughs> and we can play them on the air. No, but that's what I mean. You have to weed through that. Well, oh, okay, yeah. listen. I like, okay. It's fine. Cool. Okay. I wish I wish people would start to to do it because just what? the entertainment value. Just to use, like oh, even if they just would be funny if you listen to other podcasts and people you know send in the emails and they they get read on the air or play their phone messages. Yeah, some of them are pretty funny. Yeah. So listen, uh, this is a great opportunity for the audience. Like screw TikTok. Like this is the way you're going to get. <laughs> like go viral see i can just say that because if accessibility can like make whatever claims we <laughs> can just go ahead and just make claims as well <laughs> apparently there's no recourse and can't sue us uh or no i shouldn't say that you can't you you can't sue us you wouldn't want to anyways because we're really nice we're super nice yeah we don't have any we don't have any money anyway. so nice so. Well, they can also find us on Facebook <laughs> and Twitter. I heard that, but I think we ought to get off there. We're getting off Instagram. Where? Instagram's off going. Where? No, I thought, yeah, I thought we were already a done deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We're getting rid of Instagram. and We're uh, getting rid of Twitter we're now? Keeping the no, Facebook and Twitter. No. Yeah, okay. we're keeping those two. For now, until, until we enter the metaverse. That's right. Then you can find us, I guess, in the metaverse. Hang, hanging out at a virtual 7-Eleven. That's right. Uh, in front of it with our slurpees we're getting punchy let's go okay all right well that is going to do it for us this week thanks everybody for listening in of course a big thanks to laney fine gold for joining us and we will see everybody next week this podcast has been brought to you by canadian assistive technology providing low vision and blindness solutions across canada Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. 